It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up later, I want to talk about the fears you may have with your 401k or other retirement funds with uncertainty in the world. I want to tell you how to play that. Our website's clark.com and clarkdeals.com. There's a question I get uh, amazingly often that shows that people are really confused when you try to buy life insurance. There's a lot of lingo and there's a lot of choices that you'll be thrown at you. First, let me explain something to you. The people who sell life insurance, the individuals who work as life insurance agents, are really only there to pitch you life insurance policies that have some kind of add-on to them, either the equivalent of like a savings account or an investment account or something they claim that can be used for retirement or a policy they say that magically will pay for itself, blah, 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 blah. They have to try to push on you ultra-complicated life insurance policies because if they sold you just a plain vanilla straight life insurance policy, the commission they'd earn would be so low that it wouldn't even be worth the gas that they'd have to put in their vehicle to come see you to explain the life insurance to you. But on the other hand, these really, really complicated life insurance policies have gigantic commissions and very, very, very high costs for you. You can think whole life, variable life, universal variable life, indexed universal life, blah, 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 blah. When the name gets long, you know it's bad for your wallet. In life insurance, for almost all of us, except those that earn really an amount greater than $400,000 a year, which is almost nobody, the life insurance that makes sense is something known as level term insurance. All it does, and it'll be derisively referred to by commission agents, is, oh, that's just death insurance. Oh, my goodness. Why are you buying life insurance to provide for those who are the living after you're gone, your loved ones, your family? So the purpose of life insurance is to provide replacement of income for those who are left on earth when you're gone. And nothing does that better, more efficiently, or cheaper than level term insurance. You buy an amount of insurance the easiest back-of-the-envelope recommendation that may may or may not fit your situation is 10 times in life insurance what you earn per year. So if you earn $50,000 a year, you buy $500,000. If you earn $25,000 a year, you buy quarter million. And if you make $100,000, you buy a million. That's just, just absolutely, that's like playing horseshoes. It's not accurate, but for many people to get you close. So with level term... All you're doing is you're buying coverage for typically 10, 15, 20, or 30 years 
that pays only if you die in that 10 to 30 year period. You outlive it, it pays you nothing. It pays your survivors nothing. You're not getting anything. But the beauty of it, the premiums are hyper cheap. So it won't affect your living standards at all paying the premium. And I have a simple guide at Clark.com that walks you through how to buy this stuff. And again, you're not going to be buying it through a salesperson. You'll buy it over a website or over a toll-free number. And it's really simple. There are even policies now that use databases to determine if you're okay to sell this to. In other words, your health is good enough. We don't even have to undergo a medical exam and you can get a policy issued at a good premium same day. So check out what I've got. I'll walk you through how to do it and ensure and protect your family. Nick is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Nick. Hello. I'm 18. Big fan of you. Thank you, Nick. I'm a, I'm a senior in high school right now, and I have been working the last eight years uh, milking cows and working on the farm day in and day out. So I got some um, money saved up, and I'm planning on heading to college, to your college. But my question is, I know Roth IRAs are uh, good fun to get in early with uh, compound interest and everything. Should I start one of those, or should I just pay my college off in full? I'm kind of stuck in the middle. Well, you're going to go to community college, so it will be very inexpensive, right? Yeah. And you're going to continue probably listening to your work ethic, because... Share with people that are city boys like me, how early do you have to get up to go work a part-time gig that you started at 10 years old milking cows? Um, yeah. Usually we start milking about 5.30, and I'll go get done with that, go to school, and come home and start milking again and do whatever other chores are left on the farm. All right. Well, that's a toughness that a lot of us cannot relate to and I think all three of my kids, when they were teens, would have benefited from spending a week with you working your life <laughs> instead of the life that they have. Yeah. So doing this work, are you getting paid at the farm in some way, or is it just something you do as a member of the family? Uh, no, I get paid, yeah. Okay, great. Great. So you are free to open a Roth IRA, and you're allowed, how much will you earn in total this year? 12 grand. 12 grand. Good for you. So you can put up to $6,000 a year in a Roth IRA, and you can open one pretty easily. I want to give you the simplest Roth I can give you to open, okay? Okay. It would be to open one with a company called Vanguard. Yep. If you've listened to me, you've heard me talk about Vanguard at Vanguard.com. Yep. You're now 18, right? Yep. So you can, uh, depending on your state, you probably can go ahead and open it now without an adult involved. You can go on their site, do an application for a Roth IRA, and just simply put it in the Target Retirement Fund 20, I think 2065 now exists. Okay. And just start slapping money in it, and then that money will grow tax-free for the rest of your working years. Yep. And then you so spend it tax-free. So is that a smarter idea than uh, than just take a small out for college, just pay for the rest of that? Or 
Well, if you're going to go to community college, it should be really inexpensive. Do you know what it will cost you per year? I don't know exactly, but I think all said and done around 15, 20 grand. For a community college? It's not a community. It's private, but it's Ah. a private trade school. Ah, okay. So it's a private trade school. Have you already signed a contract with them? Uh, no. All right. Do me a favor, please, and check the, the state-supported technical college that's near you. See if they offer the same program course of study. If they do, you may pay basically almost zero or close to it. Okay. And check that out. If you do end up going to the private technical college and you're going to face that kind of tuition, then as much as I hate to say it, reduce what you'd put in the Roth IRA. Just get started, put in like 100 a month every month, and have the rest of the money to defray the cost of tuition. Okay. And again, your industriousness impresses me no end. I think it's fantastic. Susan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Susan. Hi, Clark. Thank you so much for taking my call. It is um, my I a, pleasure. Um, I love listening to you. Um, I have a question on flood insurance. Uh, I'm getting ready to purchase a home that is absolutely going to require that I get flood insurance. And I thought that the only option available was government flood insurance. But um the insurance carrier that I'm getting insurance um, from gave me the option of private flood insurance, and I didn't know how that compared to governmental insurance and if it's something I should even consider. So private flood insurance is only a backstop if you're buying a very expensive dwelling that you need a backstop beyond the federal flood insurance program. The federal flood insurance program is subsidized by your fellow taxpayers, And so the first dollar loss, you want to go against the federal flood insurance program. And uh, it's really simple to buy it. It, There's a website that explains everything about the federal program at floodsmart.gov. And for homes that the structure itself, you know, net of land, you don't consider the land, that have... um, uh, a value of a quarter million dollars or less. Okay. You're fully covered by the federal flood insurance policy. How much I- okay. is this home you're buying likely worth? Um, I, I, it will be covered for like three hundred thousand dollars. Okay, so you could. I mean, you got. You have a situation. You could stack additional private flood insurance on top. In the, in the situation where this house is that you're buying, would a flood create a total loss of the house? Is it multi-story? Like, what's this it, looking it, like? It is a one-story house, but it is a second home at the beach. Okay. So I'm the same Standing. situation as you, Susan. Okay. I have a second home at the beach, and I have a homeowner's policy. I have a windstorm policy. Those are both private. I have the federal flood insurance for the 250, and then I have private flood insurance for the excess. 
Okay. So it's right. much more gotcha. complicated. And with the second home, I should tell you, uh, you and I don't get the same subsidy that people do with a primary residence. And okay. I think that's just as it should be. I mean, why should right. why should our fellow taxpayers be subsidizing us to the hill when it's okay. uh, you know when it's a second home? But it is generally cheaper to have the first quarter million under the federal program. And in your case, you'd have potentially a little supplement of a private policy. Okay. And may I ask a follow-up question? Is there any differentiation from having a separate wind policy from the homeowners versus a combined policy? Or is it just... Well, generally what they do is, uh, is it would be from the same insurer, but insurers right. charge you a premium separate for the windstorm what they okay. usually call windstorm okay all right that's great and Thank one you thing you week. should know get ready for the joys of having a place on the water which is great but know that there will often be a larger deductible on that policy when it's a name storm okay yes yep okay all right Thank you very much for the information. I really appreciate sure. it. Sure, and let's hope no floods, no hurricanes, nothing come near this home of yours for many, many, many years to come. Mark's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mark. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, family has been inquiring about putting a pool in. We've come to the conclusion that it's going to be a pretty expensive task to pay somebody to do it. We would save money if we did it ourselves. Um, I'm no way, no way. You could do that yourself? I've seen some videos on YouTube. It's, you can buy a kit and, you know, you would have to hire somebody to do the outside concrete work and probably help dig it. But, yeah, they've broken it down now where you could do it yourself. Oh, no. You could do it yourself. I could never do it myself. <laughs> the, only, the only pool we could ever have that I did myself would be if I had a young child and went and got one of those blow-up pools right. that they weighed in when they're like a year old. That would be the limit of my ability to construct a pool. Right. Well, my question is, if we were to want to finance, what would be your advice as to the type of financing to do for something like this? Would it be you know, a second mortgage or a line of credit? Yeah, it would normally be not not a line of credit unless you were going to be able to pay off that loan in a relatively short period of time. How long okay. do you think it would take you with the costs you're going to face with that pool? How many years do you think it would take you to pay it off? Probably two to three years. Oh, you could do it in two to three. Okay, yeah. so that does make it viable and potentially preferable to do just what I said not to do, and that is if you think you could do it in, we're talking really a period of months, if you're talking about 24 to 36 months, if you can do that, you really could do a home equity line of credit and use that as a way to pay for it. So the alternative, if you had told me longer, I would have said a home equity loan, which is kind of like a second mortgage but fixed rate, the credit unions do in 5, 10, or 15-year cycles. So, but okay. if, you, if you really think you can do it in two to three years and really make that happen, keep it simple and just do the HELOC 
and HELOC. use that as the way to finance the pool and shop around for that HELOC. Again, credit unions tend to write HELOCs at a meaningfully lower base rate and reset than banks do. And if you end up building this pool yourself, please send us pictures because I will be more impressed than you can imagine. It is extremely tempting, but I'm just worried of messing something up and it costs them more money. Well, uh, it's not tempting to me at all <laughs> to do a project like that. But if you want to go for it, go for it. Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Our websites, Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. It's inevitable with investing that when the market's been doing really well or really terrible, either extreme, I get calls from people worried about what they've got, usually in an IRA, Roth, 401k, any kind of retirement plan, that they're afraid that the market is going to fall apart and that they're going to lose their money. And so we're in one of those times where the market's been great. I mean, the market bottomed in 09 and essentially tripled by 16 and has gone up again a meaningful amount since then. But since 16, a lot of people have felt like we were on borrowed time, that we were kind of like the roller coaster that was going to hit the top and then it was going to be a very unfriendly decline. Well, those things happen with investing. Investing goes through cycles. But I want to talk to you about the whole idea of saying, oh, I'm pulling back here. I'm going to take my money. I'm going to put it in the safe choice in my Roth or 401k or whatever. Often in a retirement plan at work, it'll be called like a stable value fund or something, basically like putting your money in a CD type thing. Okay, so do you know that if you are a meaningful number of years from retirement, pretty much anybody in their 40s or younger, even if the market fell off a cliff next week and stayed ugly, or let's say a couple of years, even longer, it would have no long-term effect on how you did and might actually make you more money if you just kept doing what you're doing, putting money in each pay period time after time and leaving your money well diversified. The easiest answer for most of us is a target retirement fund for the year closest when you're going to retire. Because remember what happens when the market goes in the toilet. If you keep contributing, every paycheck that you put money into your 401k or Roth or IRA, every time you do it, you're buying more shares for the same money. So then when the market eventually recovers, it boomerangs to give you much more money than you would have had if the market was just steady eddy. So declines or your friend, the younger you are. So what happens if you're right up against retirement? Well, your portfolio naturally should be more conservative. And what made me want to talk about this is I took a call from somebody who was two years from retirement who was 100% in stocks in their retirement account. 
too much risk. You dial back the risk. You don't stop putting money in the market because if you retire in your 60s, you may well live another 30 or so years. You got to worry about 30 years from now. I mean, think about your 60, let's say you're 63 years old. You dial back 30 years, 33. You're a completely different person, different place in life at 33 than you are at 63. Imagine you live another 30 years, just the opposite of that to 93. A lot's going to happen in your life you got to prepare for. So just because you're older doesn't mean you bag investing. Investing meaning you're putting your money at risk. But the amount of risk you place, the percent of your money in stock type choices reduces over time. Just look at the target retirement fund choices you have and see how, depending on the year you put in, how the money less and less is in stock choices. Even if you choose to do your own um, funds outside of a target retirement fund, you can see kind of mimicking what they're up to based on the age you are. You can set up a portfolio that reduces the risk but doesn't take away the chance for meaningful reward over time. Thomas is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Thomas. Hi, Clark. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, Thomas. How can I serve you? Just had a question. Uh, came across a real estate investing site on the computer the other day, and I was just wondering if it might be something good to uh, invest in. So what exactly do they do? It's like a investment site they deal with apartments commercial property new apartment developers and they have like a 500 dollars minimum package that you can get involved in and from the reviews i've seen online they all seem to be pretty good and i just wanted to get your take on it so you would own little parts of individual properties and they would then pay you uh, supposedly whatever profits there are, they're paying you over time? Right. Okay. And how much do you have to pay to be involved in this? Well, for the minimum one that they have, I see it's like $500 to get started. No, but how much in fees do they charge you? No, I didn't see that part of it. Ah, okay. So this is a hot thing on the internet right now with these uh, organizations putting together little real estate investment firms where they go out and use your money to buy individual houses, buy a small apartment complex, to invest in a little office building, whatever. And you're just putting money in, and they charge you fees to get involved, Usually, it would be common that you pay 2 to 5% of your money up front for going mm-hmm. into it, and then ongoing expenses each year that tend to be another 1% to 2%. Right. But the fees they're charging you are on top of them handling the books. They're the ones that decide if the particular buildings that they're running, that they're making money or not. And remember, since they're controlling the books, you have no way of knowing if they're putting expenses in there that really shouldn't be in there, so they're not reporting big profits, so there's not a lot of money for you. Right. So I don't like these uh, private kind of 
placements that you can put your money in. If you're interested in, in being involved in real estate and not actually having to manage any property, there's a really easy, simple way for you to do it, and that's to go into a real estate mutual fund. Okay. And my the cheapest of all of them out there are from a company you may have heard me tell you I love, and that's Vanguard. Right. Do you do any stuff with Vanguard? I don't, but I, I've definitely heard of them. So if you go into one with Vanguard or Schwab or Fidelity or whatever, it'll be ultra low cost. You won't have upfront fees you have to pay. And they're managing it. They're managing the investment, only investing in organizations that they have reason to believe are doing everything as they should. So it's a much safer path for you to get involved in investing in real estate than in a private kind of offer like this where you have really no say-so or oversight with how they set the budget and what part is for you. Young Hing is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you, Clark? Great, thank you. You want to talk about Fidelity Investments, huh? Yes, I'm trying to learn more about the investing, and now the ETF seems like it's very popular. Fidelity, they offer some no-fee, no-transaction ETF, and they also have some zero management and that kind of thing. I wonder what your take will be. Would that be a good way to try to learn how to invest without a kind of cost a lot for the trading fee? All right, so... So with the offering from Fidelity, with the zero funds, they're mutual funds. They're not ETFs. And oh, okay. they're, they're right at the heart of where I like all investors to start, which is a concept that first was coined by Charles Schwab, the guy who has mm-hmm. that, that uh, big investment company. But he popularized the idea of something known as Core and Explore that you start Mm -hmm. off your investing wide. So like what Fidelity's done with their zero-cost index funds, which one of them is total U.S. stock market, owns thousands of U.S. publicly traded companies, and then the zero-cost international index fund, which again owns thousands of shares, you know, different individual foreign stocks, is with those two things, you own investing here and in much of the rest of the world at no commission and at no ongoing management costs. And the reason Fidelity is doing it is they're trying to attract people like you that are starting out with investing and making it zero cost for you to do so, and you start off completely widely diversified, which, you know, over time... I'm just totally into you being diversified two ways. One is having your money really spread out. And the second is that you add to the money over time, which allows you to do something known as dollar cost averaging, which lowers the risk of investing, particularly in the shorter term. Like when the stock market bust happened last decade, Mm -hmm. I kept investing every month 
in my wide bank of funds, I did it every single month, even as the market was going down, because every time I was putting money in, I was buying more holdings because the price was going down. The same money was buying me more of it. And as what eventually happened, the market recovered, and I ended up with a very nice return by just having the guts to stay in and keep putting money in. So the Fidelity Zero funds, the international and domestic, that yeah. gives you that initial exposure. There's no minimums. You can just get started mm-hmm. with whatever money. Add to it as you wish. And then if you want to go wider with investing and do different things and and own different kinds of funds to add to that or individual stocks, go for it. Mm. So you would uh, recommend those uh, vehicles? Well, I like them. I mean, they're not all I like. Like, if you're doing a Roth IRA, mm-hmm. I love for it to be even simpler and just do a target retirement fund with a Roth for the year closest to when you hope to retire. Right. Do they have a commitment if uh, if those zero fund, you kind of give them a favor, pinning, and if I invested, just like you said, if the stock is not, uh, market is crashed, not doing well, can people kind of cash out, uh, be sidelined for a while? Oh, sure. You can cash out, out if you want. In a, in a okay. regular investment account, you might have tax due if you made money while you were in it. But the idea is you can you can buy and sell funds when you wish, but these are the kind of things that you want to be in through your lifetime. Oh, okay. It's long term. Long term. And I'm totally into long term. I know there are people that are in, get in now, get out now, all that. That's not me. I want you to stay in the game. I want you to have a plan. I want you to have it spread out, diversified, and that you stay in it and march to it by adding money to it on a set schedule all through your lifetime and build wealth. But remember, the highest priority is always saving money in retirement accounts first as the first goal you do. Joshua joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Joshua. Hey, Clark. Joshua, you got a preschooler there. Tell me about it. Yeah. She just started... uh first grade actually or kindergarten i'm sorry really wow time flies what's her name joshua her name is aislin so how can i help with aislin we've been uh putting back a savings in just a a, a savings account and under under my bank account pretty much since she was born uh just kind of contributed you know five or ten dollars a week or so to it it's gotten a little over a thousand dollars or so in there i would like to Put it somewhere where it can do a little bit more good than what it's doing now. All right. Well, uh, how bright does she seem to be? How, oh, she's she's very, very smart. So she's headed to MIT, Harvard, Stanford, <laughs> Caltech. Could be. Could be. How likely is college in her future and your family culture? I'm, I don't lean towards college. Uh, I like the trades a little better personally, uh, but um, if she does happen to want to go to college, you know, I, I do want her to have the opportunity to go. All right. Do you know why I asked that question? Based on, I guess, the, the type of uh, uh, account or, or the yeah, start for her. because there's these great accounts available for kids where you can put money aside for college and it grows tax-free and it's spent tax-free. 
But if the kid doesn't go to college, you get eaten up with penalties and taxes. So that's why I always ask that question. So if college is, uh, you know, what sometimes people say, you bet she's going to college. She doesn't have a choice in the matter. And then other people will say, well, you know, whatever works best for her for a trade or whatever. And that would mean not doing a college plan. So what is the purpose of this money for Aislinn long term? I don't know if I want her to be able to use it uh, when she turns 18 or 21, or if it would just kind of be more towards like a, maybe an early type of retirement for her, uh, something of that nature. All right. E- so, either or. Um, so right now uh, this is in a savings account, and your purpose and intention for it is to be for her benefit. Right. All right, I'm going to tell you the craziest suggestion. You ever heard of a Roth IRA? Yes, I have. So I would put the money, I would empty the savings account, put it into a Roth IRA, and all the money that you ever intend to be for her benefit goes in that Roth. That way it grows tax-free. You can give her the contributions of this money you put in it, tax-free, penalty-free, when she reaches 18 or 21. But you own the account, you control it. Whatever earnings it has over the next couple of decades, that stays in there for you for your retirement way down the road, and the contributions can go to her, but whatever earnings stay there for you. The beauty of it is you keep control, it grows tax-free, you give her the money tax-free, and it's the best possible thing I can recommend. Go to Clark.com, look at my investment guide to set up a Roth. It'll be really easy. You own it, and then you and I both know the contributions are what are going to go to her tax-free. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.